things like that. Uh, it was so interesting.
It's good to be back. Uh, and those of you who are new to SDAC, that's the SDAC Creed. If you're here for two weeks in a row, you're family. If you're gone for two weeks, you need to sign the guest book again. <laughs> and uh, I think I have to sign the guest book again if you're gone for two weeks. Uh, it's the new year, and it's always good to stop, pause, and think about where we're going, who we are, what we're doing. And this year in particular, I have to start off the year in asking ourselves who we are. And so that's the series we're going to be embarking upon for this quarter, the Missional Church. But before that, there's a few announcements. This afternoon, we have an ordination service. Both the pastor have preached in ESDEC before, and actually quite a few times. So if you are able to, 3.30 at Jurong uh, Church will be the ordination service. So if you can, come and witness uh, the two pastors, young pastors being uh, ordained, Pastor Kristen Chu and Pastor Tan Jia Hong. And then at 5.30, if you are not there, you're here, we'll gather at the lobby at 5.30 p.m. Those of us who are there actually can go straight. It's just really close by. But if you are going from here, 5.30 at the lobby, meet up with Siva, and then we'll, pro we'll go from here to the Westside Dormitory for our first uh, community outreach this year. Next also, the, the we supposed we initially planned for a young families gathering, our first ever in SDAC. Um, but due to some flu bug going around, uh, we're going to postpone it to February the 9th because uh, we just want people to get well and not uh, get sick. But if you're interested in joining the Young Families Outing Picnic at Botanical Garden, you can sign up with me or sign up with my wife when you see her. So as I said, we are coming to the series of the Missional Church. And the topic today is, who are we? Who are we? So the question I'm going to start off is asking all of you, what is church? Now you say, all right, I go to church. I go to church. What do you mean? You go to the building. You go to 798 Thompson Road. Or you go to the gathering. This group of people coming together at Saturday, on Saturday at this time. You know, I, I hear stuff growing up in the church. It's like, I don't like church. What do you not like? You don't like the song the worship leaders lead. You don't like the pastor. You don't like the sermon. You don't like the church building. You don't like the, the, the potluck food. Uh, I don't know. What do you not like when you say, I don't like church? What is church? And then you hear people describe church like a, a, a person. It says, the church does this. The church does that. I like that. I don't like that. And I love it when people say, when they've been going through a church for like 20, 30 years, they refer to the church as they. They do this. Don't you go to that church? So what is church? Um, I've been accused that uh, I actually didn't go for my studies for the past week, that uh, people are saying, you know, you told us you're going to go to do your doctorate program, but all we see are pictures of food and fun. I confess, it's true. <laughs> I did study, um, but part of being there um, is we're not in Singapore. People in, I was in Portland, Oregon, three hours south of Seattle. People start work at 7 a.m., but they get off work at 4 o'clock. And so that's my school life. It's also uh, that, that. So 4 o'clock is also where, yeah, there's still a lot of stuff that's still open. 
And so I was able to explore the place a little bit. The place on the left is called Salt and Straw. Homemade ice cream. Really good. I never knew you, ice cream made from olive oil can be really yummy. And then they have like different flavors. I tried, you know, I tried a few. Um, balsamic vinegar ice cream. It's pretty interesting. It's really good. And then also another thing that they do is called food pots. Food pots are where a lot of food carts gather. And then they have tables and chairs, and you try different food at the same time. I did that too. But one of the things that I really, really, really enjoyed about Oregon is from, from where I live, I'll drive 30 minutes out, and I'm in front of 10 waterfalls. Beautiful, beautiful nature. A thing that I really miss in Singapore. I can't just drive out into nature. right? So there, and, and if I drive another more, 30 minutes more, I'm on a snow mountain. So, and that's beautiful. So that's what I did. I did some hiking. Uh, I did some uh, ice cream eating. And I did a lot of food eating. <laughs> but these are my classmates. These are my classmates. Man, at first time, I felt quite self-conscious. If you don't know why, it's that like everybody has a beard. <laughs> I walked into class and I'm just like, man, like everyone has a beard. There's one guy which you see who doesn't have a beard. Uh, his name is Adam. He actually was known as the guy who has the longest beard. But then he had cancer. And he has to go to chemo. And he went through the whole process. And, and I was just chatting with him with Adam. And I was like, hey, uh, what is the, the, the thing? What's, what did you learn from this journey? And he's like, you know what? I thought I would be sad about various different things. But then I, I realized the saddest thing for me was losing my beard. <laughs> like, what people? Uh, he's, he's positive. He got over it. And so among these guys, we spent uh, uh, about 10 days together in class. Uh, I've been out of school for seven years. And to go back into class and uh, having been like learning was, was wonderful. But at the same time, I was like not used to homework and reading. I have 20 books to read in three months. And just like, okay, I was like interested and uh, learning is really fun, but like this is a lot, but I'm really excited. You know, my secondary school teacher would be really proud. Mrs. Miss, Miss Wong. <laughs> I used to be like a borderline uh, English student. I would just pass my English, just, just pass. And, uh, and she always looked at me and she's like, James, man, if you can graduate from poly, praise God. <laughs> And like, that was how I thought, like, yeah, if I could graduate from God, probably I've done really well for my life. Uh, imagine today if I go to, go to her and say, hey, um, I finished my master's program. And I'm starting my doctorate. She'd be like, James? The guy who can't finish one book in a year? <laughs> so God is amazing. God can do amazing things in his people. And one of the ways he's chosen to do that is through the church. The word for church actually came from the word ecclesia, which was never a Christian word. It was a borrowed word from the Roman Empire where it was used to describe a group of people coming together to vote or discuss on an issue. Today, the equivalent, the closest word we can use is assembly or community. So if you, have, if you convert Asdek's name into Greek, our name will be SDA Ecclesia Ecclesia. Community church is the same thing. But as a community, it is church. 
It is not the building or the time or the worship style or the service. It's a group of people gathering together. And so this church becomes church only when this, all of us gather together. And the implication of that is that whenever we gather, wherever we gather, we are the church. And so as often as you assemble, as often as God's people come together, you are God's representation to others. The Bible never specifies how many people it requires for it to be a church. Of course, you can't be one. You can't gather with yourself and hang out with yourself. You can, but it's really, you know, kind of sad. You can invite me. I'll hang out with you. But like the, the, the Bible never ever defined that, but he does say that when God's people gather together, they are church. So what is church? Is church only on Sabbath? Is church only at our potluck? Is church here or is church there? So why are we gathering together? Because as I show you some of the photos, Humans like to gather. They'll gather together to go for a hike. They gather together to eat ice cream. They gather together to eat food. But is that church? Is, it, is there something more than just people gathering together? Because or else everything will be church. The Bible goes further to describe the characteristic of these people when they gather together. If you would... Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. So the first thing the Bible describes is that we are called a body. And it is amazing, when I was there with my class, we were talking about diversity. And one of the questions they were asking themselves, my classmates, was how to make their church more diverse. And so they were sharing how many different groups, and they were like, predominantly white. Portland is a very white city, so there's a lot of church where they're just all white people. And then they asked me, James, how many can, uh, diver what's the diversity, diversity like in your church? And I'm like, my church is not very big. We have about 150 people at, at most, 160 people. We have 23 countries. And they just stared at me a little. How many? One in four is from a different country, a different culture. And that's uh, amazing to them. That's awesome. That, that, that's in their mind. They say, that's church. It's so different, but you're gathering together. It goes on to say, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the year should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, so strange, where would be the sense of smell? In verse 18, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So there you go. He says that all of us are supposed to be different, but are supposed to also belong together. It would be really scary if all of us are exactly like each other. Dress the same, say the same thing, same height, same... Nah, that's weird. If a body only have hands, like, it's so weird. It's not a body. It's not normal. But there's also times where because of the differences, because that we are different parts having different functions, there will be disagreements. There will be disagreements. My body likes to disagree with each other. The brain always tells the body, James, we need to go to the gym. We need to go exercise. It's important for you. My hamstring begs to differ. <laughs> Say, why are we doing squats today? Because it's good for you. My thighs, my calves, my hamstring say, stop torturing us. But I say, I have to torture you for the heart. I'm not the heart. Make the heart do the work. But the heart is doing the work. But the heart doesn't hurt. The toes hurt. But they're all interconnected. They're all important. They're all a part of the same body. And sometimes in church, that's the situation. For the sake of others, there's, there's times where some part of the body suffer a little bit more than the others at certain moments in time. But it's for the overall health, overall goodness, because as Christians, the fundamental definition of Christianity is what Jesus Christ did. He exists in a self-sacrificing, self-giving, others-focused mindset. And in the church, in this body, we must learn to, if we become what God described us to be, the first thought is not us, not me, but others that's around us. How do we serve others? Let us go on. On the contrary, oh, sorry. If all were to be a single member, where would the body be? Verse 19. Verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. Are there among us people who are weaker in whatever areas? They are important. And on this part of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty. Um, one of the reasons I didn't go into medicine was I don't like cutting stuff. But then I like cutting food for cooking anyway. Um, but like, I, I can't stand like the knife on the, and then blood like, mm, couldn't. 
But guess what? Those are the parts that's inside that we can't see very often are usually the parts we ignore. You only pay, pay attention to them when you go for a yearly body checkup. And then they tell you, hey, you have fatty liver. Which one is my liver? Well, your high cholesterol, your heart has like veins sticked it and it's not flowing really well. Oh, heart. Here. But most of the time, what do we look at? The face. Every morning, right? First thing, wake up, check the mirror. How many of you check your heartbeat every morning? That's what the Bible is saying. Like, there's part of us that's not as important, but we pay more attention to, but there's part of us who are actually not very beautiful. Like, your heart, if you look at some of those documentaries about the inner organs, they're not very nice to, like, ooh, what a beautiful heart. Figuratively, yeah, we say that, but literally, like, ooh, what a beautiful kidney. Mm. We don't say that, but they are essential to our existence and living. In the church, there are things that people who actually are functioning in that aspect, they're not visible, may not be beautiful to behold. They're not the pastor who is preaching on stage, nor the worship leader who is singing beautiful song, but they are there, essential to the church, but not noticed very often. And that's the body. The body is not, I'm not saying one is better than the other, one is more important, but all parts of the body is essential. It's essential. 25, or 24, which more presentable parts do not require, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. What is church? Church is a group of people coming together, not by their own choice sometimes. It says God arranged it. God brought them together. And God has a sense of humor. He usually likes to partner people who really annoy each other. Like in the classroom, right? You're just always sitting beside the person who annoys you the most. Somehow, it's always the case. But God arranged it and God asked us to show the world something different. Because in the world, in your school, in your workplace, when you don't like somebody, what do you do? You don't talk to that person. You take a bus, you take an MRT, and you look at this guy, you don't like his face. You just ignore him. But in church, God challenges his body, the church, that he's brought together, says that person that you really don't like, care for him. Take care of the person who is here, who's sitting right there, who annoys you. Love him. Love her. Because we're not trying to reflect the world. We're trying to show the world a better existence. And as the Sabbath is a pre-experience of heaven to come, the church is also a part of that. That when the community of God comes together, we're supposed to represent a people who are not perfect, 
but are trying to bring across that love, that care, the joy that the world are craving for. What's going to attract people to church is not that the church has wonderful sermons by the pastor. It's not that they have really nice cold air con in very hot Singapore weather. It's not that they're going to have nice chairs, nice lights. It's because when they come to church, they experience the people who are just like them acting very differently from them. Not because they can by their own strength, but because God has enabled them to do that for one another. When we see each other not as somebody else, but as a part of our body. And how? Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. God doesn't ask us to do that by our own willpower. We're not asked to do that by our own efforts and trying, but by focusing on one very important thing, to recognize that we are the body, but we're not the head. Colossians 1, 17 to 20. Colossians 1, 17 says, And He, Jesus, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. How this group of people who usually cannot get along, how are we held together? Not by our own trying. Not that we are nice people, but by Jesus. Centering ourselves on who He is and what He's done for our lives is going to be the thing, the only thing that can hold us together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. When you meet somebody in church that you can't get along with, remember Jesus died for that person too. When you meet somebody who really just feel like, man, why is this person in church? Look at this verse and ask God, why am I in church? And then if you really meet somebody that you have a strong difference with and we don't feel like it, we need to go to Jesus and say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like I want to do this. But God, you have to reconcile me to that person because that's what you did. And depend upon Jesus to hold us together. Because by our own strength, by our own choosing, we would run and flee. So as that, who are we? Who are we? Who are we choosing to be? We're going to describe ourselves and as that as family. How many of you have perfect family? No? Oh, because you know it's strange. None of us grew up in a perfect family. But then when we come together in church, people expect the church to be perfect. And then we describe ourselves as family, right? How many of you have like really wonderful family members? Like every one of them are like angels. Can I join your family? 
No. But you know it's strange when we come to church, we expect that? We expect the church to be angels, perfect people, no, no issues with one another. And I hear people say that, non-Christians even, they say, hey, why come, how come church can fight? I'm like, do you fight with your brother? How come church has disagreement? Of course we have church. We are humans. And just as families are imperfect, this church is still imperfect. Because we are not together by obligation. You can walk out and choose not to come back anytime. I will not send anybody after you. Maybe. But we are here because of our own free choice. And we're tied together by our emotional connection and our love for one another. And that's why after God inspired Paul to describe the church as the body, as different members held together, the very next chapter, he, he tells us the key to do that. People always use this verse for marriage, but do you know these verses were meant for the church? Because he knows church people, the body is going to have problems with one another if they forget this very key idea. In the famous chapter of love, that is meant for the followers of Jesus, not just meant for people who are romantically interested in each other. Very clearly, it says in chapter 13, verse 4, guess what's the first description? Love is patient. The Bible doesn't tell you things that you can do naturally. The Bible tells you things that you lack and you need to ask God for strength for. He's saying we're not going to have patience. So that's why love is patient. And what's the second one? Love is kind. You know, we tend to be the rudest, most disrespectful to the clo one we are closest with. We tend to show courtesy, kindness to people we don't know. You won't go on the street and be rude to people but you don't know them. But you will go home and be rude to your parents because you know they love you. And in church, it's very much the same. We tend to be kind, polite to, to visitors. And to one another, we've been known for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We forget kindness. That's why the Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not, this is the hardest one. I should read it before every meeting we ever have in Ezra. It does not insist on its own way. The first person I need to read this is me. We like to insist on our own way of doing things, don't we? But the Bible says love does not insist on its own way of doing things. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings. You would not believe that in my class, just the last two weeks, we had a, a, a professor who was a consultant to churches who are breaking up. He's, he's, he's consulted with Pentecostal churches, Presbyterian churches, Anglican churches, churches that's 100 people, churches that's 5,000 people, 
And you hear these stories of crazy stuff that happens in church. And one of the things he shares is that there's always half the church or groups of church who are excited and, and happy when the other group messes up. Aha! They're wrong! Kick them out of the church! Yay, have a party! And he goes in there and like, guys, what are you doing? Why are you rejoicing at wrongdoing? But rejoices with the truth. And he ends with this admonition. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. So as that, who are we? What are we going to choose to do? If the church wants to be God's representation, God's light and God's salt to the world, we have to first ask ourselves, what are we choosing to portray to one another in this church? Are we going to show love? Are we going to show something else? 